when the CPI, Consumer Price Index, actually finally saw some life to it, up uh, 0.3% month over month, and up over the core, at least. The core uh, CPI was up over 2% for the first time in a while. So are we finally, with uh, the, the potential higher tariffs, which potentially, they tell us, can be inflationary, or just the full employment picture, which can be inflationary, if you believe the Phillips curve, which really hasn't worked uh, for, for a while now. But are we finally starting to see some inflation, you think, or is that just a one-off? Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I'm your host today, Ryan Dietrich, and up in Boston, my good friend Jeff Bookbinder is on the line filling in for John this week. Jeff, how's everything up in Boston? Everything's going great, Ryan. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been an interesting, you know, a lot of heat. I looked at the calendar, or I guess, you know, the heat calendar down here, and it's it's mid-90s every single day down in South Carolina, so I'm doing okay, but that is a little humidity. Is it hot up in Boston? How's the weather up there? We're right around 90, Okay. so uh, not much cooler, but no. I guess uh, you've made me feel better about our situation. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, my wife, you know, we're from Ohio. We always pay attention to that, and they're actually going up to Ohio. My wife and kids here in about a week to visit. I'm staying down here, but um, they were, she was excited to go up and get a little cooler air or cooler weather, and I looked and said, man, it's, it's 94, 95 in Cincinnati next week, too. So it's hot all over the place, but I guess it is summertime. Now, Jeff, I, I heard something. I heard there's a new addition to the bookbinder family is that is that accurate soon i guess is a new addition right yeah soon um a puppy is uh on the way uh, next month so uh, my kids are really excited about that as you might mm-hmm. expect although one is a little more excited than the other um so uh my nine-year-old had to get the my seven-year-old on board <laughs> with some uh persuasive arguments but yes. uh, she got her there and uh and, and we're all uh Really excited. So we spent a lot of time this weekend getting the house ready for for the little pup. Now, you don't have enough. This is your first dog then, correct? You don't have one already? That's right. Okay, yeah. We have we have one dog, Thurman. He's, I guess, let's see, he's 12 and a half. He's getting old. And in the last month, wow. he's he's pretty much gone deaf. Like, like he used to, you know, the doorbell ring. He, he just snarls at the UPS man. He's really nice. He loves barking at the UPS guy. Um, and we get something from Amazon, I think, delivered every hour it feels like so he used to bark at the door a lot but now he doesn't even bark and i'm like thurman thurman and he, he can't even hear so anyway he, he's still running around he just went deaf nonetheless we are looking for a second dog and probably sometime in august is what the uh, plan is for the dietrich family so f- the bookbinder and dietrich families are growing <laughs> so so jeff this week you know, we got a lot to discuss here on the lpl market signals podcast We're really going to focus on two main things i'm glad you're here first off i guess this will be the second thing we talk about but Kind of your your expertise is earnings. We are in the thick of second quarter earnings season uh, starting up this week. So we're going to slice and dice kind of where we see earnings in the second quarter and really probably for the rest of 2019. And you can't go a week without talking about central bank policy, the Fed, the ECB, lots of different news to discuss. And that's kind of the first thing we're going to talk about here. So, Jeff, I'll kind of set it up and then get to you. You know, last week we had the Humphrey Hawkins testimony where – Fed Chairman Powell goes to Washington twice a year. This is the second time. Uh, did it earlier this year and discusses really the economy and Fed policy, what he sees happening. We also had Fed minutes come out last week uh, as well. Now, the general consensus continues to be, I hate to say 100%, but that's what it is. Fed fund futures show 100% chance of a quarter point cut at the end of July on July 31st at the next Fed meeting. And it sure seemed like the Fed sure kind of he put the ball on the tee and said, you know, we are likely going to do a quarter point cut. Were there any major takeaways you had from the kind of the minutes and or uh, the Humphrey Hawkins discussion last week? Well, I mean, you, you hit on it, Ryan. The takeaway is we're almost certainly going to get a rate cut 
yep. in uh, at the end of July, and and it, the market is saying we're going to get another cut by the end of the year, and possibly even three. Now that third cut that's being priced in at roughly fifty-fifty is we think maybe too much right now. I mean, a lot can happen. You know, tariffs and, and trade, of course, are uh, probably the biggest risk for markets and the economy right now. A lot can happen between now and, let's say, the December Fed meeting. So uh, maybe the market's getting a little too aggressive in uh, pricing in these cuts, but certainly what we heard from the Fed last week uh, has uh, reinforced the market's expectation that uh, the Fed's going to be pretty aggressive here in uh, providing a little bit of insurance against possible uh, further deterioration in the economy. Good stuff there. Yeah, this week in our LPL Research Weekly Economic Commentary, we do focus on just this subject. We title it Central Bank Check-In. I'm just going to read kind of a, a line from it here. Uh, we said Fed Chairman Jerome Powell's testimony to Congress echoed uh, current sentiment. Powell repeated the Fed's view of a solid U.S. economy, but maintained uncertainty from cross currents accompanied by muted inflation have continued to weigh on domestic outlook. And Jeff, we got that word inflation there. I guess the other thing that happened last week, we had some uh, CPI and PPI inflation data came out, and the CPI, Consumer Price Index, actually finally saw some life to it, up uh, 0.3% month over month, and up over the core, at least. The core uh, CPI was up over 2% for the first time in a while. So are we finally, with uh, the, the potential higher tariffs, which potentially they tell us can be inflationary, or just the full employment picture, which can be inflationary, if you believe the Phillips curve, which really hasn't worked uh, for, for a while now. But are we finally starting to see some inflation, you think, or is that just a one-off? Oh, I think it's a one-off. Uh, <laughs> Me too. the Fed's preferred <laughs> inflation measure is still well below 2%, and there's some quirkiness to the CPI and you know how they calculate home prices and things like that. So we wouldn't put too much weight on that. There's just no doubt that uh, there are more downward pressures on inflation than upward right now. Uh, I mean, wage inflation is probably the most important thing for the Fed and for U.S. investors and U.S. corporations, right? And that has been right. essentially flat for a year now in terms of the year-over-year um, -year, uh, increase in uh, average hourly earnings. So uh, inflation's really not a story. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't put any stock in a, you know, 0.1% uh, acceleration. That thing moves around a little bit. And uh, when you look at broader measures and the measures that the Fed cares more about, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty low and stable. Yeah, I mean, you know, the big thing, John and I have talked about this in previous weeks. If you, you think the economy's on fairly firm footing, which I know we're going to talk about earnings soon, and that kind of justifies that. But really, inflation has been non-existent for quite some time. So if you think there's Opening the door, why could the Fed? Why would the Fed cut rates with economic um, expansion still going? Potentially, such low inflation coupled with the concerns over trade is is definitely some reasons. Now, Jeff, last week though, I I did some numbers on LPLResearch.com, our blog website, and my big question that I had was, could the Fed really cut rates with stocks near all time highs? Because now, who knows what we're going to be on July 31st? I'm aware, but just last week, you know, the S&P, Nasdaq, and Dow all made fresh new all-time highs. And what I found, if we're going back to 1980, Jeff, let's see here, I've got in front of me, there were 17 times that the Fed cut rates with the S&P within 2% of an all-time high. So pretty much sitting right there. A year later, the S&P was actually higher every single time, all 17, up 15% on average. And there were three times in 96, 89, and 83 
where the S&P was actually at an all-time high the day before the rate cut. So it is possible, you know, the old Jim Carrey line, right, from Dumb and Dumber, you're saying there's a chance. There is absolutely a chance the Fed can cut rates. And as an old saying, you know, Marty Zweig said it, right, don't fight the Fed. I mean, what do you think? I mean, if we get this rate cut with stocks at all-time highs, it, it isn't bearish, I guess, right? <laughs> oh, definitely not. Yeah. Uh, we've said this a number of times. We don't really love this position the market's in where right. it's essentially addicted to Fed policy. Um, but we'll, we'll take the gains. I mean, we're at our target, fair value target for mm-hmm. year-end at, at 3000 on the S&P. Um, you know, this is the only market we can play. <laughs> so it's not like, you, you know, you can go buy some other – well, I guess you could – Buy international stocks, which are not up as much, but uh, this is this is the situation we're in in, in in terms of the U.S. So we'll we'll take it, but uh, this is not sustainable. And if you look long term, we we need to make this transition to a more fundamentally driven market and sort of get off of this uh, reliance on on Fed cuts. But you know, I, I really like these uh, comparisons to the '90s, even though the tech bubble was was quite different than, than what we're dealing with today. Um, cutting rates in good economies and good markets, you know, we've seen this before, and uh, that comparison tells you that stocks can go higher, just like the analysis you did last week uh, tells us the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess the lingo that we're using, others are using, is this considered more of an insurance cut. I mean, you can go back in history, a lot of times when the Fed's been cutting rates, it's been in the midst of recessions and bear markets, uh, but this, this time... You know, could be. Oh, boy, I don't want to be the guy. So this time's different, but it absolutely looks absolutely looks like one of those more insurance cuts that we saw in '95 and '98, and then also in the in the uh, believe in the late '80s we saw that as well. So Jeff, let's see here. I got a couple other notes, but you know, there's one thing that I I want to, before we get to the earnings stuff. Something bugged me this morning driving into work. When I'm driving in, you know, something I noticed about the South. I don't know. If, I want to know if they do it in Boston. So in Ohio, when you'd let someone in if it's crowded. They'd kind of give you what you call the wave, right? They give you the wave. Like, you let them in because it's crowded. I've noticed that three years I've lived down here in Charlotte slash um, Charlotte's right on the border, so I'm technically in South Carolina at Fort Mill where our office is here with the LPL. People really, really don't give the wave down here. And Terrence is, T- Terrence is our, our sound guy here, and he's, he, he's actually – Terrence is getting married in October. We had a little discussion about that, but he's uh, been with the – been with the fine lady for 10 years. She's been with him for 10 years. How she put up here for 10 years, Terrence, I don't know. But nonetheless, they're getting married. But Terrence is nodding his head. People don't really give the wave down here like they did in Ohio when you let them in. How, how is it in Boston? Are people friendlier up in Boston when you do that? Well, I, I give the wave. Yeah. In fact, uh, when when I don't wave, my wife yells at me and tells me to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so certainly she's from Boston. Yep, so okay. Certainly, um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing our part. I, I would say I see it. Uh, a fair amount of time up mm-hmm. here, yeah. but it's it's not the majority. Yeah. Well, anyway, down here it's absolutely not the majority, which, uh, you know, they say southern hospitality, and it is true, but when it comes to the wave, I guess we're just not as hospitable down here. So, anyway, n- enough uh, enough talk about that. Jeff, it is earnings season, and I'm really pumped that you're on this week uh, to discuss kind of second quarter earnings. So I'll kind of set it up, and then i just let you take it away, but Overall, you know, we're looking for maybe about a 3% drop in earnings on the S&P 500 year over year. Uh, the thing to always remember, I love this stat, you update it every three months. It's been, was it 40? This this quarter could be the 41st consecutive quarter 
if earnings coming better than expected. So analysts in the low ball things, then the numbers come in a little bit better. And I I was interested also, Jeff, looks like technology, which is a big part, obviously, of the, adjust, of the S&P 500. Technology's not looking like the earnings might be so great year over year. So, Jeff, take it away for a few minutes and just kind of give us a well-rounded view on what you think is going to happen second quarter earnings kicking off really today and later this week. Yeah, today really gets it going, Ryan. Uh, we'll uh, get about 60 companies from the S&P this week. A lot of financials, certainly. Uh, consensus from FactSet is down 3%. So if you get the typical upside, which we think we'll get, you'll probably end up something in the neighborhood of up a half a percent, maybe up a percent. Now, there are other data sources that point to stronger growth. FactSet actually tends to be the most conservative. Okay. Uh, so you might see numbers you know, plus 2, plus 3 when uh, all reports are in. But anyway, we'll just call it a slight positive uh, is, is likely. And you, you highlight the set, Ryan. The game is companies lower expectations. When set bar is low, they can jump over it easily, and that's what indeed they're going to do again this quarter. So, uh, you know, don't get too focused on the beat rates or, you know, the fact that we might have a 3% upside surprise. That's, that's the average, maybe four. Uh, I think trade is going to be the big focus. And, and how do you gauge that? Well, you listen to what the companies say about tariffs, and then you follow what happens to estimates for future quarters, right? So right now, Q3 estimates are for about flat. If that number holds up, you know, it usually falls a couple points. If that number holds up well, that is a very encouraging sign. And then certainly if companies tell us uh, that they're not going to have any meaningful incremental drag from tariffs, that would be a positive sign, uh, certainly. So we, we think most of the tariff damage is already in estimates for the second quarter, so that probably won't be a reason for a miss. Uh, but certainly, um, you know, the pattern historically is that estimates come down for future quarters during earnings season. We might see that again, too, if future estimates hold up well. Uh, you know, let's say Q4 estimates, that would certainly be uh, a positive sign, even if you might see uh, a little bit of weakness there, uh, as you do normally. Uh, technology, you mentioned, Ryan, is going to be a big drag. Consensus is calling for a mid-teens decline in tech sector earnings. And tech earnings are a huge piece of the overall S&P 500 earnings. Um, I think it's a quarter. So you're going to have... Um, that, that big drag to overcome. You also have some natural resources drag. Energy and materials are going to be weak, too. So it's going to be real tough to generate much overall earnings growth for the S&P. Uh, and certainly, um, really anything positive, I think, is going to be um, just fine. And then lastly, you have some dollar drag. Dollar was up year over year, and that hurts profits for global multinationals that are based in the U.S. So, um, you know, throw all that together and, and, you know, let's call it plus 1% would be, would be pretty good. Good stuff there. Yeah, so this week in our weekly market commentary, which will, will be released Monday evening, we do have a second quarter earnings preview uh, with some of the things Jeff just discussed. And, Jeff, in the show notes of today's LPL Market Signals podcast, we do have a chart and it's figure one, actually, just so you know, of the weekly market commentary. And it, it shows how we've had 
Uh, Jeff, what is it? Eight straight quarters of year-over-year gains? Is that what we're up to, I believe? Okay, so this could be the ninth consecutive quarter of year-over-year gains. But what really gets me, okay, let's say we're about flat this time, maybe positive a little bit. Third quarter might be similar. If I'm looking at this right, the fourth quarter looks like we're going to see a decent-sized jump in earnings. Is that because the bar is lower from, I guess, in 2017 when we had the high bar after the tax uh, reform? Is that kind of what's happening, or just the economy usually picks up in the fourth quarter? What do you think it'll be? Well, that's a seasonally uh, a little bit better quarter yep. in general, but um, it, it's really too early to bank on, on that. Again, if companies have not put these tariff costs into their numbers, then you could see that fourth quarter number come down. But again, a lot could happen between now and then. We could have uh, a tariff reduction by mm-hmm. Q4, right? right? The, uh, the lead negotiators uh, from the U.S. are in China right now uh, to continue talks. So we'll have to see. I guess you could make the other argument. Maybe tariffs will be increased if talks get derailed. Uh, and that obviously would not be in analyst estimates at this point. So it, it's too early to put a whole lot of stock in the Q4 estimates, but uh, nonetheless, you do have a, an improving year-over-year comparison uh, because um, the growth in Q4 of last year wasn't as strong as it was uh, earlier in the year. Uh, good stuff, I guess. I've heard the quote somewhere. I'm not sure who exactly said it, but the only thing that's certain is uncertainty and when it comes to earnings and where they could officially be by the end of the year i guess there is there are a lot of different things that can change things there so jeff you know we've got eh, it looks like maybe three or four more minutes um you know one other thing that kind of caught my attention is you know the yield curve we talk about the yield curve a lot and clearly the short end that's the three-month versus 10-year yield curve has been inverted for about two months approximately and it might potentially uh, come back to being a positive number. But the thing that gets me my attention is the long end of the curve, the 10-year, 30-year uh, yield curve. So, again, that's a long end of the curve, which is, I guess you could say, more of a free markets one versus the short end, which could be potentially manipulated by potentially Fed policy. But the long end is looking at the steepest it's been since late 2017. So, um, you know, that, that could be saying maybe the economy's not going into a recession. And you look at credit markets, credit market spreads, keeping it real simple on high-yield and investment-grade spreads, and the credit markets are not showing stress, and they tend to show stress ahead of recessions. So, you know, you have any major takeaways on the yield curve there, Jeff, or did I kind of maybe sum it up already? Yeah, well, it's, it's good that um, the market has reduced the probability of a Fed mistake, right? Right. As the yield curves have steepened, not just the longer yield mm-hmm. curves, but the shorter ones too, True. have mm-hmm. steepened a bit recently, uh, that uh, th- that tells you that the likelihood that the inverted yield curve is a recession signal has fallen. So for us, that's a key takeaway. We continue to focus more on the twos, tens yep. spread, and that hasn't inverted yet. And I haven't checked today, but it was... You know, 25 basis points plus uh, late last week. So that's certainly um, a positive sign as well. But we'd like to see these um, potential or likely Fed rate cuts normalize the three-month 10-year spread and uh, essentially take away that 
that recession signal. Right, yeah, the 210, I guess that's kind of the benchmark when you say yield curve, that's what most people imply or talking about. I think it was 28 basis points on Friday, which is near the highest, I say highest, the steepest it's been so far this year. So you have some, I think, some relatively quiet steepening. And Jeff, um, I'll, I'll just make this easy on you. Which sector tends to benefit from a higher, from a steepening yield curve and obviously has started to do a lot better the last couple of weeks? Yeah, and the best sector in uh, the second quarter, mm-hmm. which was the financials. Exactly. So uh, certainly the financials got a little bit of a bump late last week mm-hmm. from the s- steeper curve. Um, by the way, technology likes rising interest rates. Yeah. So if you get a steeper curve uh, and rising rates, which we call a bear flattener, uh, you could have a good environment for two of the sectors we like, tech and financials. Mm-hmm, right. And, you know, just getting around, looking at the rest of the globe or uh, other sectors, I guess, as we're kind of talking markets here. Yes, we're at 3000 which is our fair value target on the S&P 500. But when you look at what's kind of going on under the surface, industrials have really lagged for, for, for a while. Industrials, specifically transports, all of a sudden started to turn higher. And airplanes, uh, airlines. I mean, I fly a good amount for my job. I say that... A lot of the time, those airplanes are full, <laughs> it seems like every time. Airplanes, air, airlines have gone nowhere for a couple of years, and that sector in particular is really starting to turn higher. And if that can start to lead, transports, industrials, groups that have kind of lagged for, for a while could kind of take that baton, and maybe you know some other groups like financials and financial industrials start to lead, and some of the other previous leading groups give the baton over. And that's kind of how bull markets right work, right, Jeff? They, just, they take turns who's going to lead, and it looks like those might be firming up here. What do you think? Yeah, we we like the uh, transports as a barometer of economic activity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, I haven't flown nearly as much as you have, although I guess we had a little competition to see who could have the latest delay here recently uh, and and get back in the weest of the wee hours. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) yeah, flights have been mostly full that I've uh, taken uh, here recently. So uh, you, you also want to see more packages delivered. I know you get a lot of those. Yeah, so, probably uh, a two while uh, we did this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, more packages delivered means more ac- economic activity, certainly consumer spending activity, which, as we know, is uh, you know, more than two-thirds of the U.S. economy based on GDP. So um, we, we really want to see those areas do well. We'd like to see a little bit better performance out of small caps. I mean, we're focused right. on large here, but just as a barometer, Small cap weakness um, is uh, a little bit concerning. Um, good, good points there. Yeah, so Jeff, I think we've kind of hit the end of the road. It was a lot of fun this week on the LPL Market Signals podcast talking central bank policy, earnings, new members to our families being specifically dogs, and then, of course, the wave. Why in the world people don't do the wave anymore is beyond me. But, you know, Jeff, anything you want to take us home with? Well, I'll, I'll take us home with, hey, the stock market has gone above our fair value year-end target, but we are – not selling stocks today. We'll certainly you know, think hard about what to do with that target, if anything, uh, in, the, uh, in the coming days. But uh, for now, uh, we're holding in terms of what we're recommending for clients, uh, roughly balanced accounts relative to our benchmarks. Uh, and um, we think that's the right place to be. There's still plenty of reasons to stay in stock. So um, stay invested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and the other thing to remember there is the average year since 1950 sees just a hair under four different 5% corrections a year. We had a 7% correction back in May and June. So the likelihood that we see 
five, and as John and I have discussed on this podcast many times, potentially even a 10% correction sometime the rest of this year is actually quite high in our opinion, but we would absolutely use it as an opportunity to add to some um, equity exposure there, specifically the cyclicals and some of the, um, well, really, I guess the cyclicals and potentially emerging markets as we've discussed before. So, so Jeff, I'm going to sign us off here. Thanks again for filling in for John this week. It was a lot of fun. Everyone out there listening, thank you so much for your partnership and listening. We continue to hit record numbers of listens, devices that have the podcast on their phone. So uh, we appreciate that and just keep listening and we will keep doing it. Well, that's it for this episode. Join us next week when we'll continue to analyze and discuss market signals. Stay connected by following us on Twitter at LPL or at LPL Research. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. LPL Market Signals is presented and produced by LPL Financial. I'm John Lynch. And I'm Ryan Dietrich. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide or to construed as providing specific investment advice or recommendations for any individual security. Any economic forecast set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee the strategies promoted will be successful. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Investing involves risks, including potential loss of principal. No investment strategy or risk management technique can guarantee return or eliminate risk in all market environments. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. This research material was prepared by LPL Financial, LLC. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered independent investment advisor, please note that LPL Financial is not an affiliate of and makes no representation with respect to such entity. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured deposits and are not FDIC, NCUA insured. These products are not bank credit union obligations and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by any bank, credit union, or any government agency. The value of this investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible.